1: I kill a communist for fun, but for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice.
2: Hmm. Seems like an appropriate button to begin.
1: I kill a communist for fun, but for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice.
2: All right. Today, we're going to talk about how the FBI just raided Mar-a-Lago, Trump's private home, our former president's private residents. Um, we're going to get all into it. So just get ready for it. But first, let's listen to Nancy Pelosi, because this dum-dum just went on to national TV and said this, and I wanted you guys to see it.
1: We still support the one China policy. We go there to acknowledge the status quo is what our policy is. There is nothing disruptive about that. It was only about saying China is one of the freest Societies in the world don't but, take it from me. That's from Freedom House. Let's it's talk a, a little democracy, bit. Democracy, yeah. courageous people, and and it's it just I don't know why it is uh, except there's some commercial interest who would like to diminish uh, the relationship.
2: That, my friends, is the sound of somebody who's owned by the Communist Chinese Party. Um, that was that was the Speaker of the House just saying that. A genocidal country, yes, the the Biden administration even, this isn't just conservatives, the Biden administration has agreed and declared that communist China is committing genocide against an entire group of its population. I'm not even going to go into all the history of it. It's in many previous episodes. But the ridiculousness of the Speaker of the House Third in line to becoming president of the United States, two heartbeats away from becoming leader of the free world, is saying that China is one of the most, one of the freest countries in the world. With that being said, um, let's get into today's show. We're going to talk about Trump getting raided by the FBI. We're going to give you a little rundown on the Presidential Records Act because that's what they're claiming this is all about. Uh, The fact that they just crossed the Rubicon, that's an important concept that we need to address. And uh, now we're learning the connections between the judge who approved the FBI raid and guess who? Jeffrey Epstein. So just buckle up for this one, you guys. It's going to be a lot. I did a lot of research on this. I'm actually filming this really late at night because I spent uh, much more time than I thought digging into this. I really wanted this to be chock full of helpful information instead of me just ranting because I think all of us are frustrated, right? I tried to find as much as I could even from decades ago. I have a clip from Ron Paul that I'm going to show you of him warning that this could potentially happen. Um, but I put a lot of work into this one. I hope that you guys learn a lot and I hope it allows you to take this information and then move forward into healthy, serious conversations with people around you that are not paying attention right now and they think this is just politics as usual. Let's get into it. So just to start out before we get into me playing some clips for you guys, the Hill.com reported on this and gave a little summary. Um, the title is Eric Trump says FBI Mar-a-Lago search focused on documents sought by National Archives um, into the article. It says the raid followed reporting earlier this year that the Justice Department had been asked by the National Archives to look into the former president's handling of records after more than a dozen boxes, including some containing classified information, were recovered by archive officials that Trump should have turned over. And I went back and I found an interesting article from NPR around the time that this happened, and I figured I could read that for you guys to see what they're referencing because it's important to understand what the left is referencing and using to justify their actions. This NPR article is from February 2022, and it says 15 boxes of White House records have been recovered at Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort. The National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, NARA, said it has retrieved 15 boxes of White House records and other items that were stored at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago property instead of at the National Archives. As first reported by the Washington Post, the documents retrieved last month from the Florida property contained important records of communication along with Trump's self-described quote, love letters, end quote, with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, as well as a letter addressed to Trump from his predecessor, former Barack Obama or from a President Barack Obama. According to the newspaper, keeping the boxes of records at Mar-a-Lago violated the Presidential Records Act, which requires that the government keep all forms of documents and communications related to a president or vice president's official duties. As required by the act, the records discovered at Mar-a-Lago should have been transferred to NARA from the White House at the end of the Trump administration in January 2021. Quote, An archivist, David Ferriero, Ferriero? sorry, David, Uh, he said, quote, the Presidential Records Act mandates that all presidential records must be properly preserved by each administration so that a complete set of presidential records is transferred to the National Archives at the end of the administration, end quote. In a statement released by the National Archives Public and Media Communications, the agency said that it arranged for the transport of 15 boxes containing the presidential records from Trump's Florida property last month, quote, following discussions with President Trump's representatives in 2021. Representatives for Trump informed Nara that they are continuing to, quote, search for additional presidential records that belong to the National Archives. Trump advisors told the Post that they deny any nefarious intent and said the 15 boxes contained mementos, gifts, letters from world leaders and other correspondents. News of the boxes discovered at Trump's Florida residence comes a week after the archives turned over damaged White House documents from Trump's administration to the White House Select Committee investigating January 6, the insurrection on the U.S. Capitol. Hundreds of pages of documents were either taped back together or arrived at the archives still in pieces, the Post reported. The only way that a president can really be held accountable long-term is to preserve a record about who said what, who did what, what policies were encouraged or adopted, and that is such an important part of a long-term scope of accountability, beyond just elections and campaigns, said presidential historian Lindsay Chervinsky. Gosh, guys, I cannot pronounce anything. Chervinsky, who told the Post that. Okay, so that gives you some context. This is, again, back from February 2022. So this discussion on these these documents that are at the White House, all they had to do was ask, and then Trump apparently said, okay, we'll, we'll continue to look for whatever else you're seeking out. But there's this connection here to January 6th. That brings us back to what's going on now. So on Monday it was announced, so I'm filming this Tuesday night, on Monday, it was announced that President Trump's Mar-a-Lago personal private home was just raided. That has never happened before in U.S. history. The idea of doing that to a former president is just unprecedented, uncalled for, and ridiculous. Very, very, very dangerous and politicized, especially knowing that he's probably going to run again. And so it's you can look at it as one side of the political aisle in our nation— Attacking the leader of the other, the potential leading candidate for president to weaponize the justice system against him is very, very concerning because it's not like they're actually seeking justice. They're trying to intimidate and show force by weaponizing the bureaucracy against this man who is trying to gain political power via the democratic process. So that brings us to the next thing. Eric Trump was actually the one who had to notify his father, and I found the interview that he did the day of the raid to be quite interesting. And um, I've got to say, I, I felt for him.
3: I oh, was, well, Sean. In fact, I was the guy that got the call this morning, and I called my father and let him know that it happened. So I was involved in this all day, and you know, welcome to politics in you know in the, in the you know two thousands. Sean, my father never got so much as a speeding ticket in his life, you know, until he made one decision, and that's to go down the escalators of Mar-a-Lago and spend a lot of money and go and actually fight for this country for the first time. And he did a better job than anybody has ever done. And they started coming after him. The Washington Post, the day he won, 2016, the day he won, November 8th, that night they wrote an article. This is when impeachment begins. He wasn't president. He hadn't been elected for, less, you know, for five minutes at that point. And they start. This is when impeachment begins. And then he's impeached the first time. And then he was impeached a second time. And they slandered him and they belittled him. You know, they went after him. They went after all of us. There's no family in American history that has taken more arrows in the back. The Trump family every single time. And you know what? It's gone on past politics. You look at the attorney generals. You look at district attorneys all over the country. All they want to do is they want to get Donald Trump. They raise money on it. They send fundraising emails about it. They brag on camera about it. They go after him. They subpoena him. I'm probably the most subpoenaed person in the history of the United States. Every single day we get another subpoena. And they do it for one reason. Because they don't want Donald Trump to run and win again in 2024, and Sean, that's what this is about today—to have 30 FBI agents, actually more than that, descend on Mar-a-Lago, give absolutely, you know, no notice, go through the gates, start ransacking an office, ransacking a closet. You know, they broke into a safe. He didn't even have anything in the safe. I mean, give me a break. And, and this is coming from what—the National Archives? Yet, you know, Hunter Biden, he's a firearms crimes, uh, prostitution, illegal drugs, um, you know, shady deals with everybody around the world. And by the way, it's all on his laptop for the whole world to see in his own writing, in his own words, corroborated by everybody. Where, Where are these FBI agents? Where where is everybody? Why is it that the arrows only fly at Donald Trump and his family? Why is it that the political persecution only goes one way in this country?
2: Now, before we get into the details more about their justification and what's going on really political now, I just want to give my initial thoughts. Uh, If you look at what's going on in the nation, we've entered a recession. We are struggling more than we have in decades and decades and decades. We have massive struggling going on nationwide. We're all really hurting right now. And I think what we're also seeing is the fact that a lot of people who kind of fell for the political games of the left, and maybe they believed that, yeah, Trump's an evil racist, he hates people, and he hates women, and he's mean, and and he's a bigot, all this kind of stuff, I think once they were able to realize, oh, wait, those were just ridiculous political accusations from one side. And it's actually Trump's policies and results that benefited me and my family and my fortune, my finances, my home, my life. It was President Trump and it was the ideas that he embodied, not President Biden. President Biden campaigned on unity. President Biden campaigned on getting us out of problems, but he's only made things worse. He's only been divisive. He's only been hateful and he's only been a failure in terms of bringing up our country out of this pandemic mess that was in a, what I personally believe manufactured because of the overreaction by bureaucrats and people that were not elected into power that were given way too much power, way too much spending money. To have their little policy solutions in D.C. that were federalized and top-down approaches that infringe on our freedoms at a community, local, and state level. Now, because we're all starting to realize this, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's a lot of videos online of like uh, Sav, I think Savannah Hernandez she'll go to like a gas station and she'll talk to people that, you know, they're probably Democratic voters and they've talked about how they used to be. And they're young and they're they're people of color. You know what I mean? Like they're young, hip, fun uh, city people of all different backgrounds. And she's asking, like, what do you think about Trump versus Biden? And a ton of them are like, I actually would love to have Trump back. You know, I feel like I had The the blind taken off my eyes after the last couple years seeing Biden and the left versus what Trump had with us. I could at least put food on the table when I had Trump. I could at least take care of my family when it was Trump. And people are realizing, oh, yeah, the mean tweets not so bad now. All of us are kind of waking up to that. And it's fascinating because we're entering the midterm 2022 elections and you're having people, I don't want to say now that they're woke, but but they are awakening to the fact that they have been lied to and they have been used as political pawns and in a very divisive and divisive and manipulative way, they're starting to wake up to this. And as we're waking up to this, I think the left is noticing that. I mean, even if you just look at the numbers of, for example, the Hispanic vote in texas you saw Myra flores where she had massive success in her community as a republican she's a mexican born new american woman she came over when she was a child and then she worked so hard with her family her story's amazing now she's a congresswoman elected into the gop uh caucus not a democrat and Her entire community supported her because their values are actually very much family values, conservative, Christian values, and at the end of the day, classic American values that both sides of the aisle, I would say, used to agree on. And now the Democrats have just become crazy. So you're seeing the rise of groups that the Democrats have really relied on for quite some time. They are now realizing, oh, wait, it's time for me to go and be more common sense and realize that the right isn't so bad. The right actually focuses on making it easier for american individuals and families to thrive and then when it comes to some issues maybe they disagree with us but at the end of the day it's okay to disagree on issues and we can work those out later the left is advocating for policies that completely destroy our ways of life so as we're all realizing this the left sees that change happening and they see it in the polls and in the disturbing trend that we're seeing now as the The hearts and minds of Americans are shifting. The left recognizes that and they realize there's no campaign solution to get them out of this mess. There is no way that they can crawl out of the hole they have dug themselves other than using force. The January 6th committee, the idea of using fear to divide us even more and scare us as if some huge, scary insurrection happened at the Capitol. None of those edited pictures, none of those scary headlines, none of those, you remember the the tickers for COVID where they would count the death toll on the side and then they got exposed for the fact that they just keep that up to freak us out. All of that's not working anymore because we can't even put food on the table because we're paying a hundred dollars to fill up our gas tank every time because our grocery bill has doubled. All of that, it's not working And so they realize there's no real way to manipulate us with fear or simple campaign tactics. They have to weaponize the government against us. Now they have to use force. They have to hit us when we're down. So even though we are having that spiritual awakening, I would say to what's good and righteous and true in our world versus the evil forces, it's too late. They already have so much institutional power They're able to now weaponize it against us, and I think that's what's happening here. They've realized they've really gone so far into the mess that they've put us in, there's nothing else they can do except cross the Rubicon, and that's what we're seeing. So they know they can't dig themselves out of this. They know that they need to eliminate the opposition at this point with the use of force, and to me, this is a Soviet-style, this is a totalitarian, authoritarian-style approach to maintaining power as they are losing. If they had stuff that they found with the January 6th committee, if they really did have some slam dunk, if they really found Trump guilty of anything or anybody on the right guilty of anything, they wouldn't have to do this. This is indicative of the fact that they are losing and they found nothing after spending millions and millions and millions of taxpayer dollars on their next witch hunt. Let's move on, though. One of the things that really caught my eye was the fact that they are using the Presidential Records Act because, like my friend Amber Athey said, she tweeted recently, a violation of the Presidential Records Act bars someone from running for political office again. The LA Times reported this back in February when Trump returned 15 boxes of documents to the archives. Paying attention yet? Amber's spot on. Um, and everybody really caught on to this immediately because it's that obvious that that's what they're doing. Like I said, you guys, they have nothing against him right now. They have nothing that they can use against him to stop him. They see the numbers leaning more and more in his favor, or at least in the conservative favor. And they're going, crap, what are we going to do? Oh, wait, we could probably ban him from running for office ever again and just remove him from the political process. Now, what I want to show you guys is a really fascinating exchange on CNN where a guest, again, on CNN, is asked about this specific action regarding just some potential records violation okay check this out
4: i think one thing we all we everyone agrees on is there are a lot of questions here paul a lot of questions there not a lot more answers to come we've heard a lot about the presidential records act now and have for quite some time if this becomes a presidential records act violation not more do you think it is enough to warrant all of this
5: No, it's not enough to warrant all this. And this is a daring and dangerous move by the Department of Justice to serve a warrant on a former president and to raid his personal residence.
2: Now, this all becomes a lot worse when you also consider the fact that what the left does is always 10 times worse at least than what they are accusing us of. Right? I mean, it's a classic Sololinsky tactic. Sololinsky is a community organizing, leftist, activist trainer that wrote the book Rules for Radicals. If you guys haven't read that book yet, I highly encourage you to do it. Please do, it is a must. You don't really understand what's going on without reading a book like that. And I know a lot of you guys ask what books I'm reading. So, Rules for Radicals by Sololinsky is a great start. One of the rules in Rules for Radicals is to accuse your opponent of what you are doing. The left does it to us all the time. Uh, what, What happened with things like Hunter Biden's laptop and what happened when Hillary Clinton and her staffers physically smashed electronics with hammers to remove information and communication from records? What happened to them? Nothing. Hillary Clinton ran for president and continues to say that she won the election. Just to really hammer it home, this is actually an exchange that really fascinates me all the time, when a guest on a mainstream media platform brought this up.
0: Somebody who is absolutely disqualified from becoming president. They destroyed blackberries with hammers in the State Department.
1: That's not what That's won the presidency. Fact, actually, and Evan, by the way, Evan, Evan, no, Evan, no, Evan, hold on, can you fact check Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang, hang, hang on,
3: hang on, Evan Perez, hammers, fact check that for me, please, on the fly.
4: Uh,
1: yes, they did, Brooke. Uh, as so. as, uh, <laughs> as did. you mentioned, there were uh, 13 devices, mobile devices, and five iPads that uh, the FBI said that, you know, in some way were used with, with her private email server. And they did, in some cases, just destroy them with hammers when they were done using them. She's that's the, that's a, pretty
2: a pretty good about, way of just... Uh, it's truly fascinating, right? Now, the the level of insanity on this is Disturbing. I guess that's a nice word to use. Disturbing. Again, when you consider what the left has done, what the Hillary Clinton, who ran for president, what she did to her records, the things she did when she was in positions of leadership, the things the son of the president currently does, the communication between the son of the president and his business partnerships that talk about the favors they do gave to business partners and the exchanges of money, including to the President of the United States. All of this stuff. Apparently nobody in our federal government cares about that. But they will raid the personal residence of the former President of the United States. It is insane to me. But I really love to remind myself that it's actually not that crazy. Because this is just yet another example of how the deep state behaves. Here's an article by The Federalist. And if you know me, you know, I love The Federalist. It's by Margot Cleveland. It's called Search Warrant or Not Americans Have No Reason to Believe the FBI Raid on Trump Was Justified. I'm going to read this for you guys because it's that good. After news broke Monday evening that the FBI had raided former President Donald Trump's Palm Beach, Florida, home at Mar a Lago, the right immediately expressed outrage and warned that a tar- by targeting a former president and political opponent, the Biden administration had crossed the Rubicon. The left, for its contribution, highlighted the federal statute that provides a person who unlawfully conceals government records shall be disqualified from holding any office under the United States suggesting that the raid's apparent focus on supposed missing classified documents may render Trump ineligible to run in 2024. Beyond the constitutional problem with that theory, the U.S. Constitution establishes the minimal qualifications to serve as president and Congress cannot expand on those, that theory of the raid merely confirms conservatives' outrage over the DOJ's continued interference in Americans' electoral preferences. So that's a good point, you guys. And this is why I love the Federalist. They keep it simple. They keep it plain. They keep it very clear cut of what should be what should be the case in our country. And one of these things is this idea that like, wait a second, who the heck set the rules? Congress is now making new unconstitutional rules that go against what the Constitution says for the requirements for someone to run for president. Since when can Congress declare who can run for president? The whole point is that these are supposed to be separations of power. And yes, you should be able to check each other, and that's the whole point, checks and balances in our government. But why should Congress be able to decide who can even obtain power in the executive branch? That's, that doesn't make any sense, and it's not what the Constitution says. So that was a good reminder. Because sometimes we can get all caught up and then forget, wait, what does the Constitution even say about this? So, back to the article. Another theme soon emerged, bandied by those feigning a more balanced tone, that the raid was clearly justified because, quote, a judge had to sign a warrant. In a similar vein, another segment of politicians and pundits played the news as disconcerting, but withheld judgment pending further details from Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray, calling on both to promptly provide the American public with an explanation of the circumstances that could justify the raid of a former president's home. So that's what we're getting a lot of wimpy answers, even from people on the right that are saying, oh, well, let's just watch it play out and and then they'll provide a reason for why they did it. And, you know, why would they lie? Right. They never would. Well, again, this is why I love the Federalist. It says as a publication, no explanation has been offered, but it doesn't matter no matter what Garland or Ray say no matter what the FBI attested to in a search warrant application, no matter what cause a federal judge found, Americans won't trust them and they shouldn't. The article says four fake FISA applications and the ensuing surveillance orders authorized by the secret Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court are the reason why. Are you guys aware of these? Because we're about to learn. I love this. This is like homeschooling, but for the citizenry, and I love it, Okay, when the public learned that the department had obtained a warrant to survey former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page, the government and the media cartel assured Americans that the FISA court would only authorize such wiretapping if probable cause supported the surveillance. Are you tracking? So, they said, they also assured us that since Page was no longer a member of Trump's campaign, the FISA orders did not target Trump and the FISA application process, we were told, was robust, with multiple layers of review. Worry not, the government soothed. All was on the up and up. But none of it was true. The FISA application process, far from being robust, consisted of rubber stamping by FBI and DOJ officials who were, at best, willfully blind to the defects in the applications and the agents who wrote the applications or supposedly reviewed and checked the information provided either lied, withheld material information, included information disputed by purported sources, or some combination of the three. In total, the officer of Inspector General found 17 significant inaccuracies or omissions and missed another one. Later, the public learned that in the process of renewing the PAGE FISA application, Attorney Kevin Kleinsmith lied and altered an email to hide Page's work with the CIA and to allow the surveillance to continue. Eventually, the DOJ admitted that there was no probable cause to surveil Page. Eventually, the DOJ admitted there was no probable cause to survey Page. Americans would also later learn that notwithstanding the claims that wiretapping of Page did not reach Trump's team, that the surveillance did indeed Sweep up campaign communications and later conversations between Page and Trump advisors. So even though the government promised us and told us, don't worry, we aren't spying on the president and his campaign, just Page and Page doesn't even work there anymore. What do you know? They were actually spying on communication between Page and Trump's team. Shocker. Equally damned was the FISA court, which approved the four warrants based on double and triple hearsay of unknown and unverified sources and based on media reporting. Even if every word in the applications were true, the lack of verifiable sources rendered the applications insufficient as a matter of law to establish probable cause. Yet, the FISA court issued not one, but four surveillance orders, none of which were legally justified. The DOJ, FBI, and the courts likewise proved themselves untrustworthy in the case against Michael Flynn, a lieutenant general who served this country with bravery and honor for decades the FBI opened up an investigation into Flynn shortly after receiving false information from Stefan Halper that implausibly claimed Flynn left Cambridge with a young woman with Russian roots. Then, after FBI agents decided to close the investigation against Flynn as unfounded, the 7th floor intervened, and a kill shot was taken against Trump's incoming national security advisor. So a leadership decision was made. After it was decided, you know what, these claims are unfounded, we got to stop this, some person in leadership at the FBI stepped in and said, "Uh -uh -uh, uh-uh-uh, we're still going to go after him. Special Counsel Robert Mueller later extracted a plea from Flynn for purportedly lying about a conversation he had during the transition period by threatening his son. Then, after an independent investigation of the Flynn case revealed there was no basis to charge Flynn, a federal court refused to dismiss the charges, again proving that the courts provide no check on a corrupt FBI. This synopsis barely scratches the surface of the duplicity and lies advanced by the FBI and the DOJ to destroy a lieutenant general and a CIA source, all to get Trump. And the courts tolerated the abuse. So no, Americans do not need to wait for Garland and Ray to explain the basis for the raid, and we do not need to defer to the court that issued the warrant. The same deep state willing to lie and connive to destroy a presidential campaign, and the president will be willing to do so again to destroy a former president and a potential future presidential candidate. The lesson has been learned. The question is now what to do besides dismantling FBI headquarters. Oh, I completely agree. I've been seeing that now. Even Paul Gosar is saying we got to get rid of the FBI, and I like him. Now, what I found very interesting, you guys, is an old video of former Senator Ron Paul, the guy who ran for president. He is beloved by many, and theres an old video of him warning about what could potentially happen, potentially, the FBI would be weaponized against the American people
5: uh, you know most of our history we didn't didn 't have those institutions. The FBI came in uh, during the first world war and Interestingly enough, one thing that Woodrow Wilson did, he used the FBI to spy on American citizens and actually arrest them if they disagreed with his foreign policy about going to war in Europe. And isn't it interesting how recent they used it in the Vietnam era? Democrats used it there. Republicans used the FBI to spy on a 100 different groups in this country, including the churches, who disagreed with the policy in uh, Central America. It almost looks like the FBI was designed to spy on Americans who might be disagreeing uh, with policy, especially the foreign policy. So the FBI, although I don't think I could condemn everything they've ever done because I'm sure uh, some of the investigations and investigation of crime uh, has been beneficial, but that could be accomplished through Justice Department within our states. We wouldn't reject that uh, portion of it. I think the FBI has uh, kept and continues to keep a lot of records on a lot of individuals. The CIA has only been here since 1947. Their record is lousy. I you mean, just think of the CIA used by the Democratic uh, administration.
2: Now, what I find interesting on top of that is the fact that for, for years he was made fun of, ridiculed, laughed at. People didn't take him seriously, and he was ahead of the curve. And unfortunately, I would say Gen X, GOPers, and all of the conservatives involved in that. Uh, they were really misreading the situation and they gave up so much power in Washington, DC. They gave up so much power of things like educating our children. And I don't think they even realized it. I truly don't think they realized it. And you can kind of tell that they didn't realize it by the way that they were laughing at people like Ron Paul. But look at him now. Um, I think it's one of those situations where it's like, you don't want to be right in a situation like that. Um, And I'm sure he's not rubbing it in everyone's face going, huh? Huh? But wow. Now, before I show you one last video with this, uh, I'm seeing another Federalist article that I just want to bring to your attention because it references something that just came out by Michael Anton. Um, It's by Samuel Mangold Lennon. It's called the FBI rated Trump because he's a threat to the deep state. On July 28th, in Compact Mag, Michael Anton, a former National Security Council staffer in the Trump admin, said, quote, The people who really run the U.S. have made it clear that they can't and won't, if they can help it, allow Donald Trump to be president again. In the same piece, Anton suggested the January 6th committee is laying the groundwork for an indictment of Trump and that the Justice Department might charge the former president with seditious conspiracy. Suppose the current administration was truly only concerned about the reclamation of classified documents, as some have suggested. Why couldn't someone simply make a phone call and arrange for a delegation of bureaucrats to go and get them? And considering that this is far from the first time the intelligence apparatus has tried to Shanghai Trump and his associates, it becomes pretty obvious that this raid was a show of force. Indeed, the Biden administration carried out a hit on the ruling party's most prominent political enemy. According to Trump, the raid was, quote, unannounced. He decried it as evidence of the weaponization of the justice system and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want him to run for president in 2024. Anton posits that the reason, quote, the people who really run the United States, end quote, fanatically oppose Trump has less to do with the former president and more to do with who his followers are. He suggests that Trump's followers are so aggressively denied representation because they are out of step with the ideological consensus of the managerial elite. Oh, that's a good one. Managerial elite who pull the strings and turn the gears of the federal government. He writes, quote, complaints about the nature of Trump are just proxies for objections to the nature of his base. It doesn't help stabilize our already twitchy situation that those who bleat the loudest about democracy are also audibly and visibly determined to deny a real choice to half the country. Short of outright removing him from this plane of existence, leftists and their associates in the federal government have to use every tool at their disposal to keep Trump off the ballot, should he choose to run for president once more. As the regime grows increasingly authoritarian, The people who really run the United States will continue to try and delegitimize Trump through a series of wanton political hit jobs and straight-up denying him equal protection under the law. If Trump becomes the 47th president of the U.S., he will bring with him an ambition to root out the people who wronged and waylaid him and his voters. If he is able to reform and reshape the government by removing these entrenched figures and subsequently hands control of the government back to the public by restoring the federal balance of power— he will delegitimize the rule of faceless bureaucrats and largely invalidate the left's stranglehold on national politics. Therefore, Trump cannot be allowed to win, let alone run for the presidency. So that, I believe, was the best analysis of why they are doing this. It's because they can't imagine having him be put back in office, even though there is a deep state, even though there is this other government that is run by people that clearly don't like us. I do think if you had a proper plan, if we could get our crap together and get people in leadership positions, we could really have a positive impact and you would need to be very serious about it. So that's really what it would take. But that brings me to my next video. What do we do about the people in DC that think and act and behave in a way of, oh, this is just politics as usual. And they're going to ride the political wave. They're going to fundraise off of this. They're going to give us the rally cheers and they're going to get reelected. And then they're going to disappoint us once again. Fascinating exchange between Jesse waters who has a new Fox show this year. I believe it started and Lindsey Graham, Senator
5: why they had to
4: raid President Trump's home 90 days before an election. Yeah, you know, and I love having you on, Lindsay. You know, you and I have debated about things, and I've seen you pretty spitting mad over Ukraine. But you you don't seem as mad as you were about this, Then you've been (laughs) mad about Ukraine. I don't understand why people aren't lighting their hair on fire. I don't understand why people aren't out in the streets. This isn't like, oh, well, you know, let's just see what's in the warrant. I mean, they've been doing this. This is the third election. This is the third election. We know they doctor evidence. We know they plant evidence. We know they hide evidence. We know they lie. We know they leak. I mean, this is not anything new. This has been this has been years they've been doing this. We can't just say, oh, you know, we're waiting for the guy to come out and and give a statement about what is predicated. I mean, what? These people are out of control, Senator. This country is at like we're on the edge of a cliff, man. I'm telling you, this country is at the edge of a cliff here.
2: I'll tell you what, you guys, that's the kind of mentality we need. We need to hold people accountable. We need to get people in power that fully understand everybody has a role in the keeping of the Republic from citizens, parents, the children of our society that become students and become knowledgeable future citizens, and then grow up and also become contributing members of society, like a mother, a father, a child. Everybody has a role at those intimate individual levels, and then you have small community unit groups and then local government, state government, federal government. And we have a beautiful system created by our founders, but unfortunately there's people in D.C. even on our side that are willing to continue to play the games if it keeps them in office and it keeps them in their positions. Uh, I was just filming Freedom Papers actually with Connor today, and if you don't know who Connor is, at Turning Point, Connor is Charlie Kirk's producer. So for the Charlie Kirk show at Salem Connor is his producer, and then this podcast, The Morgan Zegger Show, is also with Salem as well. So we're all a part of this little network, right? And I was talking to Connor, and he told me that Charlie and him, they were talking, and they used this new term on the show of um, raid me last, Republicans, I believe is what it was. And I found that fascinating. Everybody always thinks, well, if I just comply, if I just stay good in their eyes, then I won't be attacked, right? They won't come for me. No, no, no. They'll come for you eventually. But these raid me last Republicans are really the big problem right now. So that reminded me, that exchange reminded me of what Connor was telling me about this phrase. And I don't tell you this to be negative. I tell you this to be practical. I hope you guys understand that by looking at social media and feeling concerned, that's totally normal. I hate saying these things of like, oh, I'm just going to go outside and not worry about what I see on the news. And I'm not going to care about what's on social media. No, it's not you being affected by what you see on social media. It's you seeing that there's some really dangerous and bad things happening in the country. And yes, it should be very natural and primal for you to be concerned because if you have something that you want to defend and protect and keep going, whether it's your home, your family unit, your children, your relationship, your marriage, all these things are, are beautiful. And the whole point is that in America, we should live in a society of security and safety at the most basic fundamental levels compared to what other people around the world have. And when you see these scary headlines like president of the United States, just or former president of the United States just had his home raided by out of control, corrupt bureaucratic agencies that are weaponizing federal force against him. Yeah, your heart should start beating a little faster, right? And so there are political things that we can do to save this. I do believe elections matter. It's not too late for them to just no longer matter anymore. If we got people into power that, understand the role of the federal government versus state government and had a deep appreciation for the constitution and our our founding and what our country was built on. And they had a desire to get our country back to the limited federal government that it was intended to be. That could have a huge positive impact. If we elected a president in, tw- in two years, in 2024, who had massive plans to restructure the federal government, again, back to the original intent. That would be very positive. So we have the midterms coming up. We have the 2024 presidential election. We'll have to keep an eye on that. And then we also have state level uh, leaders that we need to be electing, kind of like Ron DeSantis, who are willing to go to bat and protect the people of his state against bureaucratic tyranny from the federal level and from other areas of federal tyranny. That's one of the checks that our founders gave us was the states are really supposed to have the power and the anti-federalists in the original ratification debate of the constitution, they were very much against ratifying the U S constitution because they were worried that it gave too much power to the federal government instead of the states. The states really created the federal government. I don't know if you guys know this, but to build and, and ratify the Constitution. It wasn't the American people. The American people were members of states. They were citizens of states. And then the states voted to ratify the Constitution and join the Union. So they created the union and we have to remember that state power is really where it's at. So that's another positive solution we can focus on. Who is in charge of the things in your state and what did the people in charge of your state? Think of things like education and local power versus federal power versus state power. And then that last thing that's really important, too, is making sure that you're taking care of yourself and your family that when it comes to taking care of yourself and your family, you really have to be there for yourself and the people around you and not rely and be dependent on external forces, whether it's these supply chains that aren't really trustworthy or it's the government in some way for something that you may depend on them right now for. And speaking of all the crazy stuff that's going on in the country, you guys, I just want to pop in quick about Vara safety. Now, I like to be really transparent about the stuff that I use, and I'm trying to make sure that every person that listens to the show and everybody that I meet gets one of these for their home. Vara Safety Reach 2S is what it's called, V-A-R-A-Safety.com. But really, I care about it so much because when it comes to self-protection, especially as a 5-foot-tall, 100-something-pound young lady, right? I'm 25, and I live alone— I prepare and I train for fast access to my gun all the time. Gun safes are great, but sometimes hard to access really quickly in an emergency. And so when I found out about Vara Safety's Reach 2S, it was really a game changer. It's not a standard gun safe. It's actually a hybrid between a safe and a holster. It looks like a sleek metal holster, but it's locked and secure. And then I mount it next to my bed or in my vehicle. So I just got one for my Forerunner, but it's in my room as well mounted right next to my nightstand Um, to use it. You guys, you just grab down like you're grabbing your gun from a holster. Your thumb naturally lines up onto the fingerprint sensor on the safe and it is just like drawn from the holster, but only authorized users can unlock it because of the biometric sensor. So my thumb will naturally line up and it will only unlock for my thumb because of that biometric sensor. How cool is that? So for me, I feel really secure with it because I know as soon as I grab my gun, it's going to unlock immediately and I'm already set up with a proper grip. It eliminates the extra steps that you have usually with gun safes, which takes up valuable time and all I have to do to secure it back in is I just reholster and push down the lock. So it's super simple. The Reach 2S is what it's called. I have one again in my home and in my vehicle. I think you guys need to be doing the same. It's the fastest way to get my gun. It checks all the boxes for security and reliability and As a plus, Vara Safety is actually located near my hometown in upstate New York. I'm from uh, Saratoga, and they are right around there. So I love to support upstate New York areas. It's where my family still lives, and it's where the Zeggers Freedom Flags shop is. So, of course, I like a little neighboring small business. (laughs) But you guys, go to varasafety.com. V-A-R-A, safety.com. Mine that I got is the Reach 2S in my home and my car. I hope you guys like it, and I hope you put it to good use. All right. Let's wrap this one up you guys with just the this is like a movie, okay? This is like a movie. Guess who approved the FBI raid on Trump's home? I in your wildest imagination, like if you think the most memeable story, what could be the best meme? That's right, you know I'm about to say it. Epstein, okay? I'm looking at a headline right now, foxnews.com, Florida judge who approved FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago, once represented Jeffrey Epstein's employees. A federal magistrate judge in Florida who signed the search warrant to allow the FBI to raid former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate had represented several of convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein's employees in connection to a sex trafficking investigation, according to a report. The guy's name was Judge Bruce Reinhart. He spent 10 years in private practice before becoming a magistrate judge in 2018, according to his career history on Bloomberg. He previously worked as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida. Reinhardt's ties to Epstein's employees were first reported by the Miami Herald after he became a magistrate judge in 2018. He reportedly told the paper that those he represented included Epstein's pilots, (laughs) his scheduler, and a woman named Nadia. Don't you just love to see it? This is like a movie. This is like a movie. So this guy is who approved the raid, the, the warrant for the raid. And I'm also finding out right as I'm kind of getting ready to, to wrap this up, I'm looking online right now and I'm seeing that the Florida leaders at the state level, Ron DeSantis, Ashley Moody, the people in charge of Florida were not aware of this. It was all hush hush. And so they found out with us, which is insane. Another concerning development, as I'm filming this, I'm seeing from Real News No Bull, S-H-I-T, on Instagram, breaking Republican Representative Scott Perry, a close ally of former President Trump, had his cell phone seized today by the FBI. Well, what do you know? They're going to, like everybody was warning, they're not just going to do this to Trump. They're going to make the lives of their political opponents miserable by weaponizing the power of the federal government against them. The post says in a statement, Congressman Perry said, quote, this morning while traveling with my family, three FBI agents visited me and seized my cell phone. They made no attempt to contact my lawyer, who would have made arrangements for them to have my phone if that was their wish. I'm outraged, though not surprised, that the FBI under the direction of Merrick Garland's DOJ would seize the phone of a sitting member of Congress. My phone contains info about my legislation and political activities, my personal and private discussions with my wife, family, constituents, and friends. None of this is the government's business. As with President Trump last night, DOJ chose this unnecessary and aggressive action instead of simply contacting my attorneys. These kind of banana republic tactics should concern every citizen, especially considering the decision before Congress this week to hire 87,000 new IRS agents to further persecute law-abiding citizens. Citizens. Real News No Bullshit says, here are some important things you should know about him. Congressman Perry is a five-term congressman and the leader, you guys get this, the leader of the conservative House Freedom Caucus. If you know me, you know I like the House Freedom Caucus. They are truly advocating for a return to American roots. Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney claims that Congressman Perry contacted the White House in the weeks after January 6th to allegedly seek a pardon. Congressman Perry has denied this. The DOJ and FBI declined to comment on the matter. That's all we know so far. Let's see what happens next, right? Who are they going to go after next? That's what everybody's asking. My thoughts on this is that they're going to ruin everybody they possibly can, whether they can ruin them personally or politically or politically or they just intimidate them enough that they stop what they are trying to do, even if they do believe in public service. A lot of people are going to look at this and say, this is not worth me risking my personal life, my family, or any of this crap that you have to go through now to just be in the political arena in this supposed constitutional republic of the United States, right? Um, I want to end with this, you guys, because I could go on about this. I want to end with this video that Trump released after he was raided. You're not going to be able to see it. You're just going to be able to hear it. But the visual is that there's a storm and it's raining and you can kind of hear it in the beginning. I'll play it in a second, but I just want to let you know, like I said, in the beginning of this episode, before I close out, I just want to touch on it a little bit more. At the beginning of the episode, I said, I want to equip you guys with information so that you can Enter conversations. Uh, The first thing is that there's a study from Michigan State University and it says the most effective way to reach a young person or really just somebody that you disagree with, with an opposing viewpoint and get them to change their heart and their mind is actually via peer communication, peer-to-peer communication, not by hearing it from some authority figure or a parent or a professor, like, a oh, I'm smarter than you and I'm going to teach you this. People want to hear it from a friend. It's called peer rationale. So if you're hesitant to talk about these things, understand that you having the courage to discuss these things is actually the most effective way to communicate these values and these issues. Another thing that came to mind, I was watching a video, I think on trans issues from Matt Walsh, and he said such a good point. It was something of how like they freak out when, when you talk about this stuff, the left, they call you all these names, they attack you politically They try and tarnish your name, whatever, but Matt Walsh said something along the lines of like, from now on, we should be able to look at them and say, no, we're not going to fall for it. We're going to have this conversation, whether you like it or not. You don't have to be a part of it, but we are going to have a conversation on this subject, on this topic. We should be able to, and we don't care if you like it or not, or what you call us. And I think that's a really strong thing to say. Not just for the trans issue and the woke stuff, but even for these things. The other thing is, there's a lot of people out there, and this is what freaks the left out, there's a lot of people out there that maybe voted against Trump in the last two elections. Maybe they voted for Biden. Maybe they fell for some things, right? I honestly don't blame them. And I talk about this in my speeches a lot when I speak to young people, that it's not right for us to judge other young people that have been lied to and brought down the wrong path by pop culture, by the the godlessness in our society. A lot of families have never even been to church, by the crap that we're sold on the mainstream media, in classrooms, the stuff we're not taught about in classrooms, the cultural behaviors that Pop culture and TV shows and music push onto us. So, whether it's culturally or socially or politically, I don't really see anything good about us judging other people for maybe making mistakes. And that includes like doing something like voting for Biden, right? It's easy to laugh at them. It's easy to judge people. Like, it, it's easy to judge people that believe what society has sold them the lies and then it's it's a totally harder step to look at that and say I want to try and still reach them because I believe if they had the truth they would probably be on my side and then another part of that too is allowing grace in the sense that we're going to have a lot of people that are waking up right now and the last thing we should be doing is judging them for who they voted for in the last election what we need to do is realize this is a time for us to unite against some evil forces at a much higher level. And if we can come together on some things that we should all fundamentally agree on, I think we'll be in a much better position to handle what's coming versus turning to people that are maybe looking at our side and going, oh, maybe they were actually... Right on some things all along and laughing at them or saying it's too late or whatever. you know, you made your bed now lie in it. Where's my gas money? Like you owe me a bill for how much gas money I'm paying because of your vote for Biden. This is a time for us to be having really serious conversations with our peers and with the people in our lives. It's not the time to be shutting down communication. But with that being said, I'll keep my eye my eye out on any new developments in this story, and I hope you guys do the same and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in.
1: We are a nation that has the highest inflation in over 40 years. Where the stock market just finished the worst first half of a year in more than five decades. We are a nation that has the highest energy cost in its history. And we are no longer energy independent or energy dominant, which we were just two short years ago. We are a nation that is begging Venezuela and Saudi Arabia for oil. We are a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers and American citizens and $85 billion worth of the finest military equipment in the world. We are a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people, and it will only get worse. We're a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party like never before. We've never seen anything like this. We're a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is about all you get. We are a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant like never before where the economy has been collapsing, where more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon, and China to use the trillions and trillions of dollars it's taken from the United States to build a military to rival our own. We are a nation that, over the past two years, is no longer respected or listened to all around the world. And we are a nation that is hostile to liberty and freedom and faith. We are a nation whose economy is floundering, whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming, and whose educational system is ranked at the bottom of every list. We are a nation that in many ways has become a joke. But soon we will have greatness again. It was hard-working patriots like you who built this country. And it is hard-working patriots like you who are going to save our country. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield ever, ever, ever. We will never give in, we will never give up, and we will never, ever back down. We will never let you down, as long as we are confident and united. The tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a little chance. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and God alone. And it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again.